We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to the MPW Digital Post Game Show presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Chase Parham, your tour guide tonight. Jeffrey Wright already in video in uh, the picture with us here as Ole Miss knocks off Auburn 28-21 on the Plains. The Rebels um, overcoming a really sloppy first half to, to dominate the second half on the scoreboard and, frankly, uh, on the stat sheet all night. So we'll get to uh, Jeffrey in one second. But, as always, Dead Soxy. You can use code uh, – sorry, I guess I should speak in the microphone a little better. My apologies for that. Use code REBELGROVE, 25% off with Dead Soxy. Pick up all your different socks. They got the NIL collections. They got plenty of Ole Miss stuff. Plenty of different options there with you from uh, Dead Soxy. This will be a podcast as soon as possible. All podcasts brought to you by uh sorry twisted t on the mpw digital network as well so uh that's what's going on again Ole miss knocking off auburn 28 21 no reason to uh continue on me blabbering we'll get to some stuff but jeffrey i'll i'll let you know just let's get some main thoughts out of the way i will tell everybody you uh you kept the fate the entire time there was never a moment where uh you had any doubt in the rebels tonight <laughs> It's cheap champagne, baby. It'll oh look. my gosh! Uh, let me like grab a glass for everyone. Uh. <laughs> I didn't even bother getting an actual pop top for Hugh. He's a screw. He's only worth a screw cap. So. When did we buy the champagne or the Prosecco or whatever it is we're, uh, we're, we're imbibing? There. Uh, first off, this is nothing but the best. This is J. Roger Champagne. I love how it says it is American champagne, which is actually not possible. Champagne only comes from the Champagne region in France, and every blowhard knows. Um, and now it's all over my floor. And now it's all over Leah's floor, and she's very upset about But to which I say, worth it. <laughs> Man, this Were you is really bad? This is so bad. Is it really bad champagne? Sorry, sparkling wine. Sorry, it's not champagne. Yes, but no, it's that's the best part. On the label, it says it's champagne. 
it's actually not legal. If this were if this were in Europe, they could actually be sued. So what? How, how much was this bottle again? How much did we actually uh, spend like, on a, a, a Hugh defeat? Uh, so it was eight bucks. Well, first off, I got a hundred bucks from Hugh. Um, which, okay. by the way, yeah. shout out. He waved the white flag. He could have gone for two, even after the offside. Like I was panicked because I didn't buy the six and a, I did. I, I laid six and a half. I didn't buy the half point down. I just said it was like it's under seven. He could have after the offside penalty on the last on on the uh, last extra point. He could have gone for two from the one and a half, which is what the book would say to do. Uh, I went when it was after the Peyton Thorne threw the pick that got reviewed, uh, and then Hugh called the challenge, which is the best. Like that was the best. There's nothing better than Hugh just being mad about what happens, and so like he challenged. Like challenging in college football is so stupid. They review every play. Like you're never gonna win. They had told Hugh that they didn't see anything on review upstairs to, to to overturn it, so they were they were letting it go. Correct, and then he challenged anyway. Stanton coming into the uh, the thing hot super chat. Appreciate you guys. Which players will Hugh Freeze blame tonight? What's the what, what's the blame well, that was, at Jeffrey? Well, my favorite part though is uh. The least successful offensive package was the one that he was trying to take credit for, the Robbie Ashford package, which we also have to like. We got to set some ground rules. How many different times are you allowed during a season to retake play call? He did it against Georgia. I didn't know. Did he give it up last week against LSU? I guess that's what happened. When they only scored 14 points, they got beat 48-14. I guess he gave up play calling last week. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I didn't do it last week. You only score 18 on that LSU secondary. Because, look, I mean, Auburn came into this thing averaging 100 yards passing per game, and I think they had 26 at the end of the third quarter. I mean, they are horrid through the air. Absolutely horrid. Well, I mean, they finished with 122, and I don't know how much came on that last drive. That last drive was 67 yards. I don't know how much was passing. it. It felt like it was all passing. So they had, I don't know, what, 75 yards entering the last possession? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. They've got – so Auburn's three and four. And we'll get to Ole Miss in a second. We're just kind of talking. But Auburn's now three and four. They get State, Arkansas. Vanderbilt. Oh, no, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, New Mexico State. I think it's like State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, New Mexico State. It's in I – I, I may have the last two backwards because it was thinking – He's got to go to Arkansas in November. That kind of felt like that spot where Ole Miss had to go to Arkansas last year. And, you know, if they're fighting for, if they're fighting to get back for bowl eligibility, I don't know. I just, that's the other thing about them, man. Like, they're not good, dude. No, they're really, really bad. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, we'll get up with two as this thing goes on, is just kind of how far they have to go. Tyler, thanks for super chat. He says, I sent JG a super chat to troll, so I'll return the favor. I I troll to pay somebody, but I do appreciate it over here. Uh, Jay Young eight nine two one. Do you think Freeze came up with a little limp tonight? Maybe needs a little more rubbing. Oh, we're going there tonight. Meant to take this as a sixty nine dollars super. Oh, oh. YouTube defeated me. Appreciate you. Appreciate that a lot. I also ordered Asian tonight. Did you? Yes, I did. The full experience. 
Navarro, yeah, appreciate you. Says Hugh looked rough at the end of the game during the handshake. Yeah, did did you notice that? He wouldn't look at Lane. He walked up and like kept his eyes like straight forward and like whatever. Lane kind of turned toward him and he he he. There was no eye contact at all. He 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 never looked his looked his way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I think he waved the white flag. Even didn't you think the onside kick was weird? Like if you're gonna onside kick it, like it was almost like he gave up. It was super weird. Like that, the 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 straight down the middle onside kick is like the least effective if they have the hands team out there. So as you know, Ole Miss fans, I, I called it a root canal er, earlier in the week, and it, I thought it was because of just everybody's about history. I mean, even Lane on Monday says, "Hey, seventy-one years since back-to-back wins, all this, all this, all blah 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 blah." Ole Miss was zero and nine in night games at Jordan Hare, and then they completely do everything imaginable to screw up this game in the first half. They muff a punt. They've got seven penalties. They have one third down conversion. They've got two turnovers. They missed the pass that you know if Dart throws that pass correctly, it's well on its way to seventeen nothing or you know twenty one, and they're just blowing them out at that yeah, point. I guess because he was seven. wide open. It wasn't like it was a. It wasn't like he threw into coverage. It was just a bad. It was man to man bad throw, and the ball got tipped. Yeah, you got the fifty three yard run, which is the only way Auburn scores. I mean, Auburn scored two touchdowns in, in essentially regulation that was outside prevent, and it was a twenty four yard short field and a fifty three yard touchdown run. They cannot drive. It's fourteen fourteen at the half. What are you kind of thinking at that point? Uh, I, you can attest to this. I actually thought they were fine because mm-hmm. they played clearly the worst half of football they could possibly play. I mean, you just commit it. You have turnovers. You have a possession where you don't even get a, a chip shot field goal out of it. Although I guess you could make the argument they were better off kind of having that embarrassing play than they were just straight up missing it because Auburn had got backed up, and you can tell when they get backed up, like they, they could do nothing. But I just didn't really think Ole Miss was going to play that poorly in the second half, and they didn't play great in the second half, but. They cleaned up the penalties because I think they only had three penalties in the second half versus seven in the first half. That's correct. Um, they they were able to protect enough. The, the first time I actually got a little worried was when Pettis got hurt. Was a little curious of how were they going to shuffle? How were they going to shuffle the line? Because the one thing I do give the one thing that I do give Auburn credit for, I think that that front's pretty good. Like they get after guys and, um, you know, I didn't think their back end was all that good. And I think that's why Ole Miss at times was able to hit some plays. And it really came down to it with Ole Miss playing as poorly as they did offensively. That was going to be a game of which team hit more shot plays. Mm-hmm. And it was very obvious who you would rather bet on to hit more shot plays. And it was Ole Miss by a mile. Well, I mean, frankly, when Ole Miss bogged down, it's because they didn't do anything down the field. I mean, I don't know what all the coverages were and everything. It's because they, they schemed well, as they always do early in the game. I mean, you pointed it out there on that on that first drive of the touchdown. They had they had a lot of creativity. They did a lot of stuff. And then they completely got away from it. They could they didn't get Harris down the field. They didn't get some matchup stuff. And they just sort of were running over and over and over and over. And, like, Judkins had a big game. I think he went for 124. Bentley added some nice burst at times. I think Dart barely got over 200 passing, but Trey Harris got 102 of that himself. 
yeah, if, if there was a moment, it was when that Auburn front seven was eating a little bit. Ole Miss didn't get anything downfield, and you thought, okay, the problem here is the clock just continues to get short, get short, get short, and then one play can do something. But then, you know, frankly, as soon as Ole Miss even flipped the field position, I thought, okay, that's kind of that. Because there for a while, the, the, the way for Auburn to win that game was that, you know, Fraser Messine kept messing up from a punting standpoint. They couldn't seem to get anything flipped from a possession standpoint. And then once that got fixed, that was kind of it. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely the concern in the second half was like you felt like the entire time you were completely behind field position wise. Because like you felt like you were just back inside, you know, your own 10. And you, if you didn't get a big play on first down, it was like you were punting it right back to them. But I really think you got to give, you know, it's this is kind of where I, I give the defense credit in the sense that everyone has stopped that offense, but the defense was put in a ton of really bad spots. And I thought for the most part, particularly in the second half, like when Ole Miss decides to punt, they get the penalty, then they decide to go for it. They come up a yard short. Like, that was a big moment. And I felt like every time Auburn had a chance with the ball to really flip the grip and put Ole Miss on its heels, I thought the defense really stood up and made plays. So, you know, no, the defense made a ton of plays. I mean, again, they didn't give up a full field touchdown the entire night. There was nothing where anybody drove. They didn't – I mean, Auburn had one way to win the game, and they they never did that. So the defense played incredibly well. They got a lot of tackles for loss, all that stuff. Um, It's the team, though, in general. I wrote about this kind of at the end of what I said in the column. It's up at RebelGrab.com. I think Neil has something. Brian's finishing up something as well. So a lot of written content for you guys once this thing is over. But that's another game where the score is very much in doubt at the end of the third quarter, into the second half, and they're just finding a lot of ways to win games. I mean, you look back through almost every win this season outside of Mercer, Tulane was one possession with like three minutes to go. Georgia Tech was close at halftime. Ole Miss dominated the second half. Arkansas had the ball to go tie or whatever, or win or whatever that was. LSU obviously came down to the to the last play. So many things here, and so many Ole Miss teams in the past, where whether it be at Auburn or in general, they find ways to complicate things. Instead, this team is really dominating late third, into the fourth quarter. I think having two running backs help with Bentley and Judkins and the way they're able to kind of manage ball possession a little bit. But, you know, for a team that's so built on the transfer portal, and I know we say some version of this most weeks, it is a credit to them that they have a lot of resilience and a lot of ability to kind of overcome some adversity and play together. You're just not seeing that around the country. I mean, you look, you know, you look everywhere and it's, it's a complete season in college football to survive in advance. Just win the game. However the hell you got to win it and move on to the next week. Cause everything's stump, dumb and weird. And you just look at records. I mean, look at tonight, Tony Elliott in Virginia, knock off Drake may in North Carolina, um, I, I know North Carolina was not going to go undefeated, but they weren't going to lose to uh, Virginia, most likely. Yeah, but I mean, that, that was that, that, that was a Mac Brown. Yeah, that was a yeah, Mac yeah. Brown special. Point being, it's a team that frankly just wins football games. No, the thing that is interesting is how how much different the attitude team is than the fan base. Because if you think back in all those scenarios that you're mentioning, like everyone's group chat is blowing up. Like I've seen this before. And granted the kids don't have the history that, that everyone else that's watching the game and this scene has seen Ole Miss go down there and it'd be a house of horrors. Um, but the team just never reacts that way. And you kind of got the sense that 
in the second half, if Ole Miss could get the lead, you kind of got the sense that they would be able to put the game away. They get the lead, they get the stop, they go right down, they get the next touchdown, and then it was night-night. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there would have liked to have seen them make that fourth down stop before the touchdown drive and make it a 35-14 game. You know, you got to spend most of the fourth quarter not really panicked. And I think I think you're right. It's almost like this team has figured out whatever it's got to do to make a win or to get the win, they're willing to do it or they're able to make it happen. Like against LSU, they go down nine. They've got to get a stop. They get the stop. They got to get a score. Well, then they got to get another stop. They get the stop and then they got to get another score and they do. And, you know, yeah, it was nerve wracking at the end, but they make the last play. Um, Tonight, Tonight was about how were you going to execute in the second half? And I thought they deserve really high marks because I thought they cleaned up the dumb stuff that was killing him in the first half. Like, I do think there was probably a chance to run them out of the building early. I'm also not sure that like, – I think this is just a really good football team, but I don't know if this is like a great football team. Like I don't know how many teams they are going to run out of the building. I just don't – I Good players and they have an identity kind of know what they are, but I don't know if they can just line up and run someone out of the building on the road unless that team kind of helps. Like mm. all had to have turned it over like Ole Miss did in the first. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose you can make the argument if Jackson doesn't throw the pick in the first half, they were on pace to run him out of the building. But man, you could see just as soon as like as soon as Ole Miss got up two scores in the second half, that place just cleared out. And I think had the roles been reversed, if Auburn would have gotten up two scores, like I'm not sure this Ole Miss team just lays down and dies. Now there's also a problem that Auburn has is I think Auburn knows they get down two scores. It's, it's night, night. Like they, they, they just can't, they can't do anything about it. If they get down two scores. I was curious what uh, the potential uh, Twitter situation would look like. Uh, Ole Miss football had their. Did you uh, see the? Did you had, see had the Auburn ready. response or whatever? Yeah, the uh, quote tweet of the. If you're story. Auburn, why are you? Well, no, did you see it? Auburn did like Coach Freeze and a fan during the Hugh Freeze handshake. Yeah, and then Ole Miss's Twitter account, I guess, did like uh, Coach Freeze and the man that won. Yeah, they did that, and then they took the Auburn final score graphic where there was no comment. Auburn just put up the 28-21 final. And uh, quote tweeted it with a uh, ready-to-go GIF or whatever you want to call it, like a 13-second video that says weather alert. Uh, it's getting chilly on the plains and then has uh, has a few old tweets and whatnot in it uh, as well as some other clips. So they had that ready to uh, ready to go here. It's a... Uh, it's going through. It, it's one game. But, should Hugh have wanted? Yeah. Should, hold on. Serious question. Yep. Should Hugh have wanted the job as badly as he did? No, it was ego. Hundred percent. He wanted a job back in the SEC to get back in the spotlight and to get out of Liberty. And Auburn was the location that did that. He would have taken almost any SEC job or maybe any SEC job there at some point. There's no doubt because. I mean, if, if you're just talking about quality of life, Auburn 
while it's a good fit if he wins like crazy, because that's, that's what's interesting about this. Is I mean, we, and look, we talked about this all last week, but it even more is true here as you watch this um, play out with what they did in the stands and everywhere else and what this looked like from an environment standpoint, is that, sure, he goes to Liberty and he's making $3 million a year or whatever it is. He's in one of the best group of five jobs in the country. They've got all kind of money. He can recruit. He's got some cachet. He can go grab some four-stars. He can go grab some some quarterbacks. He can out-recruit most of those schools, out-coach most of those schools, all that stuff. Yet, he couldn't get over the ego to be back here doing this. And yes, while they win, he'll go to all the pancake breakfast and all the church stuff and all that stuff. And all that makes sense as far as how he fits in at Auburn. However, however... He does not handle media criticism well. He doesn't handle getting off the mat when stuff like this happens. And this fan base is crazy. They are nut jobs as far as what expectations are to reality. And it is a horrible fit at that point for him at this place because they simply are never going to mesh. I mean, we're talking about seven games into this thing. He has no talent. It's not his fault. And yet people are already turning on him because of the way he's he, he's handling it. The, the expectation yeah. does not fit Hugh Freeze's reality. Here's the problem, in my opinion. I don't think, whether or not it's fair, Auburn has championship aspirations. And again, we can we can debate whether or not that that's re- um, that's That's how they view the program. And that is their standard. I do not think Hugh Freeze is a championship coach. At his best, I think Hugh is exactly what we've seen. There's going to be big wins, and there's going to be bad losses. When it's at its best, it's like 9-3, and 10-2. and two. The reality is he's no, like, how's he any different than Gus Malzahn? Except I think Gus, I think Gus's teams are a little bit more consistent. Well, we don't I mean. Do we know yet? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, let's also let's let's pay attention to the old. You know, he beat Alabama. He beat Alabama with Blake Sims, who they moved to safety at quarterback, and then he beat him on a night where Alabama turned it over five times because they couldn't. They started Cooper Bateman, and they went back to Jake Kerr. Like, Let's not act like he was beating Tua Tonga-Vailoa and four first, you know, first round, you know, receivers. Like, yeah, they won the games, but like this idea that he's going to compete with uh, in this like supernova era, like I just don't see it. And I think the bigger question is, can Auburn can Auburn compete at the level that is expected of him? And I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think Auburn can get the type of talent to compete anywhere near the level that they expect. I'm just not convinced in this new reality that they're there yet. Charles, thanks for the uh, super chat. Appreciate you. I missed a few of them. Let me go back real quick and uh, grab that. We're going to try to go ahead and get Neil on here, see if we can get all three of us to talk for a few minutes. Uh, Any chance Lane tweets out a Bible verse tomorrow? My guess is Lane moves on from this week. I I don't expect a lot of 
a lot of stomping on. Well, this is the other, this is another thing I, I wanted to I also wanted to say about yeah. this. Talk for a second while I'm trying to get it, Neil on. Go ahead. It's it's totally fine for him to do this this year, where he clearly made this game a Super Bowl. When he admits that they practiced yesterday, full out, like that's fine in year one. But the Auburn fan base doesn't expect you to be worried about beating Ole Miss. And if you're going to make that game your Super Bowl, you are setting yourself up for failure. And I'm just not convinced that he is capable of I, – I think in his warped mind, his delusional warped mind, he really believes that he was done wrong at Ole Miss. And if he starts making Ole Miss the standard rather than LSU, Alabama, Georgia, good luck, buddy. Neil, I think we can hear you if you want to go ahead and try to talk. Um, Jeffrey just nailed it. 100 and gazillion percent. If 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 he makes if he makes Ole Miss the standard there, he he won't last long. I don't think he's going to last long anyway, but he he won't he won't last long at all there. You've got to his standard there is Alabama and Georgia and he's nowhere close. He's nowhere close. Look, I saw two of the most anemic offenses in the history of modern football today, and Auburn's not much better. I mean, he got a long way to go to catch up with the standard that they're going to hold him to. And, and like you said, Chase, that they're going to hold him to a his the standard there, fair or not. And I think it's, it's silly, but the standard there is compete for national championships, and they're so freaking far from that that it's it's incredible. His I mean, clearly Montgomery ran the offense tonight because they they were r- rotating quarterbacks well, and all that stuff. I mean, it, what obviously wasn't Hughes' fault, but but I, I mean, no, 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 they're, Neil, they're, they're Neil, 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 you didn't away. you didn't hear at halftime. You didn't hear at halftime. He called the plays. The plays were there to be made, uh, but oh. the it was it was on the quarterbacks. They they didn't see it right. Oh, you're right. I missed halftime. I, I hopped in the shower at halftime. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, you, you missed. I, it. I, I, yeah, missed the, I missed they, that interview. I can, I can only imagine. I can only imagine how compelling that that interview was when he broke down why why it wasn't working. Real quick, sure I, was, we're we're, we're going to continue our Hugh conversation. But did you go to that abomination today, Neil? Yeah, I was there. How long did we stay at seven to three, Mississippi State? Uh, Carolina and I stayed until the end. You stayed until the was, end. We stayed until the very end. We watched the last hail mary. There oh, is a God. point in which if you don't leave early enough, you do have at that point, like you are so committed. You're like, you got to see it through. Like if you don't yeah, leave I mean, the half or whatever, yeah, like you might yeah, as well, like what else are you going to do? It was early enough. Yeah, that's what we talked about is like, you know, I mean, she can't, we, we talked about going to Dixon, but she's, she's concerned about getting an MIP cause she's not legal yet. And I was like, let's just, we'll just stay here. And she's like, yeah, we're here this long. Let's just, let's just see what happens. And I was like, I think that's a good philosophy. And, we stuck it out. I mean, I have – this is not the show for that, but I have lots of thoughts about attending college football games in person after that. I mean, they got to do something about these TV timeouts. But anyway, yeah, that was – that was offense was set back a long way today. But, guys, Auburn's offense isn't much better than the two offenses I watched in person in, in Reynolds Razorback this afternoon. Let's be clear. A little better. It's a little better, but it's not much better. I don't. I don't know. 
I don't I don't know if it's a lot better. I think they got lucky today. I think they got they got the one explosive run play from Hunter, and then when Jackson made the bad throw, they got a twenty four yard field, and they really honestly they got an explosive run on that. So like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I'm, I'm giving I'm giving Auburn credit for being a little better, Jeffrey, but not much, not 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 a whole lot. I mean, there's not there's not a hell of a lot of difference between what Auburn ran at quarterback today and Mike Wright. There, there's there's not much difference. I think I think I'd rather have Mike Wright. Yeah, you. I can, think Mike Wright. You can sell me on. I'd I think he's have Wright. He's a he's a. He's a willing runner. He's a he's a good runner. Correct. Did you think it was even in doubt at halftime, Neil? Uh, no, no. I, I thought Ole Miss was going to win the whole way. It was pretty obvious. They just had to stop shooting themselves in, in the feet and had to put a drive together. And it was it was clear that they were they Auburn wasn't going to score much conventionally. And so as long as Ole Miss didn't just slit its own throat, they were going to be fine. All right, I want to ask. I want to ask the two of us, all, all three all right. of us. Sure. I think this is how we're gonna we're gonna ask this question every single week. Okay. Are they good? Yeah, because Ooh. in college football today, you simply find is, ways to win football. Is Ole Miss good? That's it. They don't have yeah. some yeah, they're crazy they're, they're, glaring they're, flaw, and they do enough well. Then and they and they are pretty good mentally. Yeah, hundred percent. They're good. Yeah, they're they're. they're I, I wrote this. Tonight, I think Chase kind of wrote the same thing. I haven't had a chance to read his column, but I, I think they're just kind of resilient. I, I, I think they they have a toughness about them. They they don't panic. They're they're far more mature this year than they were a year ago. Um, yeah, you know they. I mean, look. All jokes aside about Auburn, Jordan Hare is loud. It is a really loud place. I mean, it. it it's louder than it gets credit for, and it, it can be disruptive, and it can it can mess with your communication, and it can get in your head. And I have seen teams get rattled there. And at fourteen to fourteen, Ole Miss probably thought, "What are we doing?" But to come out and just get it done in the second half, I thought that's three games in a row now that you know LSU, Arkansas, and now Auburn, where they just, I mean. It it's, feels like a bad joke on this week, but they just kind of found a way to different ways to win the games. Six and one. No, now. where where I, where I think it where I think they deserve credit is like in the game where they got beat, they got beat. Like you know, what I mean, they got physically beat. In every other game, like if they were going to lose the game, you were going to have to go and beat them. Like Alabama beat them. But every yeah. game, like they have, they have kept themselves in the game, and really, when it's come down to like a battle of who makes more plays that decide the game, they have made consistently every game more game more plays that decide the game, and they've made fewer critical mistakes, I think, than who they played. What's your over under on how long Hugh is there? Two and a half. Oh. You would go under three full seasons. Boys, this year ain't over. Okay, what do you, in what way, though? 
Because Jeffrey's uh, right, Chase. There's the these games that people are going to go. That's a win. That's a win. That's a win. Those are not automatic wins. Well, I mean, look. I mean, State Auburn is going enough. to set football back. Cool. But still Auburn's got Arkansas. Have a hard time scoring against State. They're going to have a hard time yeah, scoring and here's, against State next week. State's defense is okay. They're, they're, State's back end of their defense is pretty good. They, they, they've got a pretty good scheme. I just saw it in person today. I had good seats. I had good seats. I saw them. They're, 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 the back end of their scheme is pretty good. Auburn's not going to be able to throw the ball on, on State very effectively, in my opinion. State's able to generate some pass rush. They're, they're okay up front. Now, look, offensively, they're, they're, they're terrible. But – so is Auburn. That's not a gimme Saturday. Well, I would also make this point. How many times can you do the, I'm going to get these guys up? Like, he used the, I'm going to get them up tonight. And he got them up for Ole Miss and it was a loss. He, he, they, they, he did the deal of, we don't, he did the deal of, we don't practice on Friday, but we practiced on this Friday. This was a big game to him. They didn't answer the bell. And so now, a week later, what's he going to do? Hey, this Mississippi State game's a really big game for me. What's he going to do? I mean, you're going to keep selling that? These kids came to Auburn. They, I mean, I mean, I, I covered Auburn. I'm just telling you, you can't tell the Auburn kids, hey, this Ole Miss game is a big game. And now this Mississippi State game is a big game. And then down the road, this, this Alabama game is a big game. No, it doesn't work. I mean, at some point at Auburn, you're supposed to just out-talent Ole Miss. Out talent Mississippi State. That's not that's not going to happen for him. He's he, this look. I mean, you're going to laugh at me when I say this, and I think they'll win the game. But that game at Vanderbilt for them. No, like, I was wondering if you were going to go there. No, I was going to say he hasn't had his his losses this year were A and M on the road. He was an underdog. Georgia at home. He was an underdog. LSU on the road. He was an underdog. Ole Miss at home. He was an underdog. He has not had his standard lose outright as a favorite game. And you always get at least one every single year where he it's loses his favorite. Oh, it's Guys, coming. Vanderbilt, though? It's coming. They can throw a yeah, little bit. Absolutely. Ever since they've gone back to Swan, hey, they scored more points on Georgia than, Al- than Auburn did. And, and that's also the other thing here is that, I mean, I, I know we're doing the hard place to play thing. But, I mean, it took Georgia four quarters to pull away from this team. Like just getting the hell out of there with a win, no matter what, it's pretty. It's, it's you just move on, like hell. It's it's. Ole, Ole Miss and Georgia just basically played the same game against Auburn. Yeah, I think Georgia won twenty seven twenty, and they, and Ole Miss won twenty eight twenty one. I mean, I picked thirty one twenty one, and I'm gonna give myself that missed field goal. Um, so I was right, thirty one twenty one. Yeah, I had I had thirty twenty. I was right there with you. Yeah. I mean, this game kind of went like we expected. I mean, the other thing is, is this team really going to rally around playing for the Birmingham Bowl? I, I, I really guess that's my around? question, though. And that's what only – I mean, I guess I'm asking Neil when I say this. This team was always – somebody said it in the, in the live chat, and they're exactly right. I don't forget who it was because you guys are chatting a lot, so it's moving down a lot. But they were always going to go five and seven, six and six, seven and five. Like this team was never going to be better than that at all. What tangible thing does that do to this team? I mean, are they, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily affect recruiting in some negative way. I mean, what, what does it do program-wise when they just simply do what the hell everybody outside of the Auburn nut jobs thought they were going to do? But the <laughs> problem is that's their fan base, Chase. It doesn't matter that Vegas said this was a five-win team. It doesn't matter that we all knew this was a five-win team. Like, that's the thing about Colts. Not everyone acts reasonably. Like, the standard <laughs> is the, the record, standard. <laughs> let the record show Jeffrey called them a cult tonight. I didn't, although it is a cult. Um, no, Neil I mean, only said, uh, what, ha, 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 well, hold on a minute, because it, it, it actually got a couple message board threads. What, what was Neil's exact phrase the other day? A, uh, a prayer circle jerk? Was that, was that the phrase that continued to... Uh, I, I just, to, to, all I, I mean, for the record, I, I, again, I mean, pray all you want. I'm, I'm pro prayer, but if you announce in the press box what time the prayer is going to be so that everyone can take a picture of the prayer and send out the tweet that shows out how superior you are because you pray publicly, the power of said prayer is diminished, at least in my eyes. So that, I mean, that, Jeffrey, that you went to a religious institution. Pepperdine didn't do that, did they, in anything? 100% no. Okay. No, the only thing is we had to go to – And by the way, I went to a cult myself. The Church of Christ is a cult. Literally, they ask, are you of the faith? Not, are you a Christian? Like, We're so getting flagged on this show tonight. YouTube right. is going, like, we're, um, we're, we're done. I've told you guys, at, also, Rustin, look, at Rustin High School, at the, end of, <laughs> at the end of every road trip at Rustin High School, before we got off the bus to get into the field house to unload our stuff and get our stuff to leave, we sang the alma mater and said the Lord's Prayer. I never saw a camera in there. We just did it. It was our thing. We did it. Offense did it on its okay. bus. The defense did it on our bus. No, no. He said the Lord's he, Prayer uh, and sang guys, the alma mater and got off the bus and went on our thing. Guys, he outdid himself tonight. When Joe Tessitore, when they had that cutway of him, the daughter, and the granddaughter, look who showed up just before we showed up for the production meeting. Oh, what an unbelievable coincidence. Amazing. Can't believe it. That wasn't planned at all. No, look who was there. <laughs> but in fairness, Neil, that was probably on the prayer schedule too. Like, you know. It probably was. So Vanderbilt State, Arkansas. What is Auburn's record in those three games? Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea. The drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up the way you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. 
therapy can help clear your thoughts, and it's great to talk to somebody that doesn't have a lot of preconceived notions. Sure, you got family, you got friends, but maybe they have opinions or emotions that are not exactly what you need right now. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. I'll say two and one. Okay. Two and one. Two and one. I, I, I bet it's say not three and Because they might not have 25 total yards against Alabama. I think it's no, more likely. I think it's more likely they go one and two in those three games than three and up. I think Agreed. the most likely two and one. It, Utah Chase, back up is, on the okay, for, Go ahead, Chase. Forget the forget the uniforms, the atmosphere, everything. If you're just watching that team. What do they do well? They're pretty good on their front four to seven. And like in, in, in a vacuum, they're good running the football. But when you can't throw it at all, you're no longer good running the football. I mean, just right, because pile everybody so, in there and deal so, with it. Like, they're so one-dimensional that – and at a certain point, by the way, if you've ever – I mean, think about how many times we covered like – you know, those uh, those Orgeron teams that you covered that actually had a pretty good defense. When your offense is so anemic, when you get into the second half of the schedule, defense has had to keep you and carry you in every game. Eventually, they just start breaking. We have not discussed that uh, Hughes' double pass went for negative eight yards, by the way. <laughs> we that. did get the double pass, and it went by for like, negative eight. He could, no, 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 no. First off. No, that was a Montgomery call. Okay, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was a Montgomery call. Um, I mean, that's the best part. Everything he dialed up tonight didn't work. I'm just curious. I mean, it's a good Ash- point in the stream the real Ash- quick, Jeffrey. What, what percentage of Pepperdine was, like, you, not devout Church of Christ? But, like, what, what, what is the split there with the waves? Probably 50-50. Okay, just curious. I mean – so, I mean, you probably have, I think it's 50, so you have, I would say probably 40% of the Church of Christ kids are like truly devout Church of Christ kids. Then you have some kids that were Church of Christ to get the scholarship money. Um, I would say that's probably another 10% of the student body. And then, because uh, that international fee is a lot higher, we had a lot of international kids. Um I mean, yeah, I'd say it was probably 50-50. You always knew the Church of Christ kids, though, because if you met someone that was truly breathtakingly stupid, you go, Church of Christ? How'd you know? <laughs> I just did. Dead socks. Yeah, good you to have see that you look in the stream. Uh, Rebel Grove, again, 25% off there. If you need to pick up some socks, if you need to uh, show off the uh, the sock wear to any Auburn fans in your life, whoever you got coming up this week, so good to see you in the stream. Appreciate you guys as uh, as uh, as always. Uh, Ole Miss gets Vanderbilt next week. They're going to beat Vanderbilt, and then A and M in two weeks. Early on, what's the what's the Aggie and Rebel line? What are we looking at? 
think Ole Miss three and a half, probably. Right? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm going to have a hard time talking uh, about Vanderbilt for Ole five Mi- days. I think it's Ole Miss minus six and a half. I'll you tell you right now, it's six and a half. If okay. it's that many, I'll take I'll I'll take the points. Because the thing is, A and M still power rates really well because that front's really good, and Ole Miss is still going to have problems blocking them. I don't know, man. I don't know. Now that Neil says it, like, if I post three and a half, aren't you taking Ole Miss? Yes. It's probably right. Because Texas A&M have have the opposite. Texas Texas A&M is the opposite of Ole Miss. They they found ways to lose. Let's see. It's who they are as a program, and nobody's been able to fix it. Utah just, A&M uh, Utah next just week USC. A&M next week has South Carolina at home. Okay. So that'll probably be a win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it'll probably be I'm I'm glad we're also done with USC. Um Aaliyah was Aaliyah was asking me today, like, who's the who's the one team that like when inevitably they disappoint that it makes you the happiest? Because hers was Texas. And I was like, when USC starts thinking that they're good again, it is the best for me. Just watching them having to come to grips with like, yeah, they're a little better than they used to be, but they have Caleb Williams and they're still going to probably lose because I don't think this is their last loss of the year. What's the uh, what's the Vanderbilt line? Whatever it is, I'm going to take the Commodores because there's no way Ole Miss is going to be up for that game after this and before A&M in two weeks. So if Which it is going to be a sleepy, 22. no doubt win. I'll say so. Georgia was thirty-one and a half on the road. Although right now Vanderbilt Stadium probably is a zero on the road. Like if you were factoring in home road, I bet it's I bet it's probably twenty-four, twenty-four and a half, something like that. Yeah, just that's that that feels like too many given the place on the schedule for me. Uh, Clemson and Miami in overtime right now. Clemson up twenty to seventeen. Miami lining up for a thirty-five yard field goal. What was the line in picks? I've got three right now, so I can't decide if I want to miss and just push because I've had a good day. But I th- I feel like the line in picks was like three and a half. I don't remember. That's a nil question. I I don't remember. What have you had today, Neil? What is our what is our what is our in our, our input at this point? Hey, Neil, do you uh, want me to pour you a bottle of champagne for you? Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, I got to Caroline's apartment <laughs> like at nine thirty. <sighs> hold on, hold on, Neil. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and then I'll let you finish that. Jeffrey, are you actually drinking that crap? Listen, for him, I will. <laughs> okay. I couldn't decide if you'd go like oh. full on like a bottle of Vov or like Moe or like something actually drinkable or if it was just going to be horse piss. Because even even I don't like good champagne. Okay. Like I, I was going strictly for comedic effect and bottle of 
J. Roger American Champagne did not disappoint. Okay. Let me tell you what. If if you if you let it open up, it's just as bad as it was right when you opened it at the beginning. Like you don't even need to like you can just pour that bad boy right away. It is it is what it is. This is right. this is meant to be had with orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, sorry. Go ahead, Neil. My bad. Uh, so I got to Caroline's place at like nine thirty-five, nine forty. Um, I had a couple of beers there, and then we walked to the stadium from her place. And I guess I had a couple there. And then when we got back, we went to the Kyle house for a little while. I met a bunch of her friends and all that stuff. And then we went back to her place and. There was there was more beer there, and then we went to dinner, and yeah, I'm I'm good though. Did I had you to, switch I had to, be to cocktails I, at dinner? There was some. I, I I had one cocktail at dinner. Okay, wine. Uh no, I've just I've had a couple of beers since I got back. Okay. Yeah, it's a good point, Jeffrey. You probably are like really on the verge of a hangover if you have too much more of that. That 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 is, <laughs> as they said in the great American film cocktail, that's perfume going in and sewage coming out. Yeah, but worth it. Like that, that's okay. kind of like what your that's your entire exist. It's a metaphor for your entire existence of Hugh Free. You know, you you have to deal with so it's much very true. And afterwards. You, you're just like, I just want to sweat this out and be done with this. All right. So uh, you've got a kid. Because I want to go back to your point that, like, when you're go saying ahead. that, I think Neil was so spot on. The thing that Chase is not, when, like, when I set the over under at two and a half, I feel like what Chase is not accounting for is that's not who that wanted. I have Auburn friends. And, Neil was 100% right when he said they Auburn got set up with Hugh because all their friends were like, you're going to love this guy. I don't – Hugh's act's going to wear really thin. And he's not a grinder. He's a front runner. Because so much of the success – so much of the success at Ole Miss is predicated on two things. Number one – as we all do, we give him credit for the coaching job he did in 2012. But that was also predicated on Auburn becoming a dumpster fire the last year at Chiswick and Arkansas becoming a dumpster fire when Petrino, uh, when Petrino had his motorcycle wreck. Also, if Denzel's not there, does that thing get off the tracks? Like, he doesn't have the built-in advantages right now at Auburn that he did, and I give him credit, he parlayed those things into what he needed to have for success. But well, he does not have those built-in advantages he, right now. He treated this game like he did today. I mean, like, like Neil said, it's, it's a great point. Hey, now now we coached on Fridays. We had the big practice. We're doing this. We're, we, we've got to get this thing right right now. He loses to Alabama and Georgia this year. He loses to Alabama and Georgia next year. And then here's the here, – here, this might be the kicker that really puts it in there – because of the comparisons that just will not die for all the reasons, Ole Miss makes the playoff next year, and it's like the 11 seed. And Auburn is seven and five or eight and four or whatever the hell they are, but they miss the playoffs. And you look up and you go, 
hey, you're behind Alabama and you're behind, you know, I, I get there's no divisions, but you know what I mean. You're behind this team and this team and this team. And then, you know, whether it be Ole Miss or whatever, you've got the, you, you've got the situation. Like, it, it's all that stuff. It, it's, it, it's a mushroom cloud because of what expectations are and who you're being compared to and who you've fallen behind. And that 12-team playoff is only going to magnify it when one or two teams make it that they deem themselves to be a superior being to. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be Ole Miss. It can be, uh, you know, what if what if uh, you know what if Florida gets it rolling next year? What if uh, AM if A and M ends up making a coaching change and whoever comes in there injects some life into them? What if LSU makes the playoff next year? Like, I mean, it's all it takes is all it takes is a little bit of watching, and that's the other thing. It didn't take Lane very long. And we can do the whole, yeah, he had some advantages. But the reality is, if you're sitting there and you're pissed off as a college football fan, and you're sitting there going, well, Ole Miss went 10-2 and in the second year of their coach. They're freaking Auburn, and we can't do that. And we're sitting here at 7-5. and It's the same reason Brian Harson got fired. Yes, uh, Michigan, Michigan State was where apparently Hitler was on the video board today. That is that that appeared to be a correct thing. Um, they apologized. It's okay. I mean, we, as long as you apologize, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if you compare no, no, uh, no. to Hitler, as long as you apologize. Didn't I think the didn't uh, didn't the Times rehire uh, a Palestinian correspondent that praised Hitler? I haven't seen this. I don't know. Yeah, look up, look up. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know if it's maybe it's the post, but there's another one that rehired. Uh, there's like they brought him back. It's unbelievable. Do you know how far down the trivia question road you have to get, and how many you've got to run out of before you go? You know what, guys? Where is Hitler from? That's tonight's pregame trivia question. That, that that's where we go. Hey, can y'all grab the best shot of him and Photoshop that and have it ready to go up on the board? I mean, Austria. What, well, yeah, correct. Good, good job, Jeffrey. You win. Because that's the point. <laughs> there's, there's very few people out there other I mean, than like actual historians that will beat me on World War II trivia. Okay. I mean, I'm so locked in on World War II that I've gone to the prequel era. Like, I'm in on World War One heavy now. Like, I want to see how World War Two really got going. Give me some World War One. <sighs> Uh, let's see. Parting shots, Jeffrey. I mean, you got a kid that's going to wake up in like an hour. Like, what, what, what's, what's, what's your closing statement here on a night that you've been waiting on for a while because you've expected Ole Miss to win this game the entire season? Hugh, you don't like me, and I don't like you. Please take this one piece of advice from me because I know you're listening. Don't focus on Ole Miss. Don't focus on Ole Miss. Is there any shot of that happening? Nope. He is what he is, man. I think you're probably right. He is exactly what he is. Uh, last thing, are you going to take Vanderbilt or almost next week? Am I doing what? Are you taking Vanderbilt or Ole Miss on the line next week? Well, do we know the number? I mean, I'm, pro- I'm like you. I'm probably I mean, whatever I don't know. the number 18, is. 18, 20, taking... 22. Who gives a shit? Like, same difference. 
if it's under 20, I might take Ole Miss. Because last year, last year they were able to take advantage of that back end. Sometimes you need a stack game. All right. Fair enough. Appreciate it, bud. All right. Be good. Jeffrey Wright joining us there. Let's see if we can get Brian for a minute, and then I'll chat. What time are you leaving tomorrow? Like, what's your situation? Are you getting up at six? Like, what's the deal? No, no. I just wake up when I wake up and probably hit the road within within the hour. I've done half of ten thoughts. I got to do the other half when I get to Oxford. Did we write the exact same column? I haven't it probably read yours some, yet, but it was probably yeah, pretty close. That, that was probably some error. I, honestly, I didn't know you were writing, and it kind of just went uh, went a little sideways there. So it's okay. Uh, it's all right. It's it doesn't matter. We we didn't we didn't. If we thought the same thing, that says that maybe we were both right. Okay. I mean, I do think that's the hallmark of this team is that they they're resilient. They weren't resilient a year ago. They were resilient now. They're a lot more mature now than they were a year ago. I mean, you talk to guys inside the program, and they'll tell you that last year, once adversity hit, they kind of folded. This year, adversity seems to make them play better. This is not picking on they, one They rally around yeah. adversity. They respond to adversity. This is not picking yeah, is on it? one person. That they're they're a, a much more... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go ahead. Predicate there. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm well, good. I was I'm just good. I just thought about something we didn't mention about the actual game. Jordan Watkins played a few snaps. He went back and caught that punt late. And and maybe it's an old miss like it's not just an old miss thing. What is it with people not catching punts? Like Dayton Wade wanted nothing to do with that punt on the touchback. Like after he muffed the one, that was it. Like I mean, they really have had a hard time just finding someone to catch the football. 
Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that Jordan Watkins with the bum hand was the best option still, but it, it, he obviously was. Do we think he can catch the football in a – I mean, he, he, he warmed up. I mean, for anybody who missed it, he – he warmed up completely. I mean, he caught passes. He did everything. He caught punts in that part. Like, all that stuff was completely normal. And then, I don't think he had a target. I'll go look in a second. Um, I don't think he did. I think when he was on the field, he was just used as a blocker. Yeah. I mean, they obviously had to account for him and whatever. Uh, Tower, thanks for super chat. No, I mean for all the stuff about Hugh, I've not heard of any extracurricular issues at all. I, I I would not expect that in any way, frankly. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a thing. Uh, Brian, we can hear you. I got to get you in the screen, but I couldn't hear you. So if you'd like to talk, okay. I've asked everybody else. Was there any point where you thought almost was losing that game tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Particularly when they didn't, have, when they didn't score after the first drive oh. in the first half, I thought that game could get a little weird. So oh. yeah, there were multiple points. I'd say it took me to the second half though. At halftime, I thought they were still okay. Maybe we were all just expecting. Like I, I think it's more of what I knew about Auburn. And I went, they just can't. If you can do anything, they can't score. Yeah, they kept rotating the two quarterbacks, and Ole Miss fared pretty well against Ashford on the first drive, which the announcers acted like was the shock of the century that they brought out a different quarterback for the first drive. And then they fared a little better with Thorne, and, you know, I don't know. I just thought they were too inept offensively. I mean, there was a point in this game, I think, when I was looking it up, after three quarters, Ole Miss had like 358 yards of offense to Auburn's 154. Auburn, I think, had like 120-something in the fourth quarter. A little bit of that in quote-unquote garbage time as they went and got that score that was inconsequential to some, maybe consequential to others. But, um, yeah, I thought Ole Miss defense played pretty well in this game to where, you know, like I said, first half I thought they were fine. Second half there was a moment or two, particularly when they couldn't get anything going offensively on those first two drives where I was like, okay, they might be in trouble here. But uh, I think, man, I was listening to the post-game show a second ago before I hopped on. Like Neil said, I mean, Pretty resilient. And like last year when things got a little squirrely, they brought out their worst football. And this year they seemed out to bring out their best. Hey, guys, going into another game from the day, I, I had like this perfect deal of getting to watch the Tennessee media as they were getting screwed by the officials in Tuscaloosa and being baffled by that going on by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we got some goals for my favorite sports writer today. I mean, Wait, he, like was, he, he was well, apoplectic at times. Rucker. I mean, he, he was apoplectic at times in and how Tennessee was getting jobbed in the officiating. I mean, it was it was it was cannon stuff today as Bama came back and dominated that second half because they had convinced themselves they were running they were running away with it. It was going to be halftime. They were up twenty to seven. It was on, and then steamrolled from that point. Neil, did you catch any of that today, or were you too busy watching your uh, football expo- um, expose? It was going on. I saw I saw uh, I saw a little bit of the first half and Tennessee was kind of dominating and they were ahead and then uh, it went to halftime and we played Super Mario and then um, <laughs> and then I looked up at, at one point and I was like oh Alabama's ahead by two scores how'd that happen so no I missed I missed the whole screwing of Tennessee portion of the of the of the day. 
Yeah, but you got you got Tennessee got screwed. Um, we were all right on Missouri. They just hammered South Carolina. I know we're all shocked. The guy who kicked the Gatorade bucket and Missouri's good broke his foot. I mean, is Missouri's good, and and uh, I took, South Carolina's I a, not. I took a West Rucker hiatus after him demanding that Tennessee have to play a super regional at a higher seeded team. Um, I haven't really seen it since. Is, Neil, you played Super Mario Kart? Was that in a dorm? What happened? I was at, at Caroline's uh, Caroline's apartment. We played at halftime. We switched to Super Mario Kart, and I, I'm not sure that we ever switched back. What is your Super it Mario Kart uh, person? What is your character in that that you go with? Uh, I did Bowser today, and 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 also the 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 green dinosaur guy. Yoshi. What's his name? Yoshi. 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 Yeah. You should know your Mario characters. Come on. Don't don't do that. Don't 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 age out going, hey, the, the green That's dinosaur true. thing. That's come on. I, I don't know them all either. I suck at Mario Kart. I would just drop the banana behind people to try Thanks, to Brian. Yeah, no problem. I actually couldn't name all them either. Well, Bowser's like, I mean, Bowser is like, I mean, he's the bully. When he gets going, he's kind of quick, but he's really slow taking off. I mean, it, it's it's not the most versatile Mario Kart character. Princess Peach, Toad, I, I wasn't somebody a, a little more, little, little more all around game. Caroline was Princess Peach. I do remember that. I wasn't putting a hell of a lot of thought into who my character was there. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't super focused on getting the win. What uh, game system were we playing? It was a Wii. Okay, that might be my favorite Mario Kart. It's, it's I, I spent a lot of hours on a Mario Kart with with the Wii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might make a good point. Rippy might be too young to know all the like Nintendo characters. No, I'm not too young. I'm just too inept. I stuck to the NCAA football when I was a kid. I wasn't very good at like the shooting games or the Mario Kart. I wasn't too young for Mario Kart. I'm not going to act like I'm older than I am. I just was totally inept at it. So uh, I have not put a ton of thought into like the Mario Kart Grand Prix, but I appreciate your thought that you put into it. I'll, I'll keep that in mind next time I get on the sticks. Uh, Miami, I think, just knocked off Clemson. Is Clemson completely dead as a program at that point? Yeah, level? it's over. Disappointing to our guy Weldon. He texted me and said, Cristobal's done it again. I didn't have that game on, and then I flipped it on in overtime, and they won. Well, I mean, we could do a Twitch thing where we all play some Wii Mario Kart and stream it for you guys. I mean, we could pull that off. Get some get some steering <laughs> wheels going, see how it goes. I mean. I got a hosting service that can make that happen, so just say the word. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, injury wise, we're all just kind of watching from the same angle. Nobody, nothing got was overly obvious from a hurt standpoint, right? That I could tell. I'm getting asked this in the stream a good bit. There's nothing that I noticed, like somebody got carried off or something. Nothing I saw. Okay. Now, nah, whatever Pettis' deal was, but he seemed to come back in the game. I did find it fitting that they had so much trouble returning punts. They got a kid with a broken hand to field the last couple punts. That was nice. Yeah, I kind of hit that. I was, I was, I was surprised at how lack of confidence there was there in that there toward the end. Bentley got banged up, but he came in. He was fine. Um, it's a good point in the stream, by the way. Yes, Dabo will not talk about the uh, the portal is 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 a bad thing to Dabo. He he refuses. 
even though his quarterback has actually found some life there at Oregon State now. So, ooh, Dabo to A and M, that would be a fit. Oh God, that would be a fit. I'd pay for that. So, anyway, Dabo and Ross, that'd be nice. Yeah. Neil, your uh, your connection gave us a pretty good bit there. I'm kind of impressed because I thought we were getting like, as somebody said, one frame per second there for like the first 15 minutes, but it, it, it held out pretty well. So we won't uh, we won't make it do more than it probably has to there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it though. Call him up from uh, Mr. McCready. Joined us for a little while. We will talk to him again on Monday. Yeah, I did not see. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't see Pegues come back in. Somebody answer me there. Did he or did he not? Walker asking. I'm not sure. You know, Rippy? No, there was too much going on with that game, particularly towards the end. I won't call it deadline writing, but that's the first time I've ever written something in the last like three years where there was some sort of remote um, <laughs> posting time. So I was a little preoccupied with that. That was a little unnerving. You asked me to do the rapid reaction. Who knows how the hell that went? Uh, first time in quite a while where I've had to post something with any sort of timeliness. So I was last six, seven minutes, I was pretty preoccupied with that. So I, I did not lift my head up a ton. What was uh? What was the Pegues did come back in? Jalen said I, I did not see that, but yeah, he says so. What uh? What were the main takeaways? What'd you write? Uh, I think I did three main takeaways. They probably weren't that well thought out, but I thought you know Dart played a pretty horrendous first half. I thought he cost them really first thirty eight minutes or so. It's the first half and the first two drives of the second half where I thought he kind of cost them points. I mean, in the interception was unfortunate in how it bounced but i mean if you put that on the money to franklin they're kind of in business there probably get points and if he puts the right ball there onto bentley early in the third quarter they most definitely get points because at worst i think my guy caden davis could have handled a 40 something or 30 something yarder there but really rebounded to play a pretty awesome final 25 ish minutes of this game i mean they hadn't done anything in the first half, and he finishes the last game like four of six or five of seven, something like that. And three of them in a row to Trey Harris in that drive that gave them the lead. I wrote about the defense really not allowing the game to get weird despite the offense not playing very well. And then, I mean, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, honestly, at this point, but just talked about the team's excuse me, overall resiliency because, like, I think I heard Neil say it earlier last year, when things got close, they they kind of shrunk, and this year they seemed to play their best football. I mean, it was 14-14, and Auburn had the football there with about nine minutes to go in the third quarter, and it was like, oh, man, how is this going to go? And they made a great defensive stop. Ole Miss put together a nine-play, was it 90-yard drive, 85-yard drive straight down the field, followed it up with a six-play, 68-yard drive, or maybe nine-play, 68-yard drive. Nine, really yeah, nine-play. Yeah, stick two swords in and cut the head off, to use a movie phrase there, and put the game out of reach. I'm not sure that would have happened a year ago. Those are my three main takeaways. Yeah, I mean, people talking about Dart and the stream, he played really well considering that start. Because you could easily, on the road like that, in a game that's close, get bogged down, let it get to you mentally, and sort of freeze up a little bit. And we've seen players do that a ton, whether it be Auburn or other difficult environments. Ole Miss has had that happen to a lot of quarterbacks. Instead, He's found reasons and ways to get down and score. I mean, he, you know, Ole Miss scores four touchdowns. He accounted in some way for three of them. He gets the touchdown pass to Zakari Franklin on a great play call there in the uh, in the first half. And then he runs one in. He runs another one in later. 
And, you know, that I wrote about it. That drive, they actually kind of get the break there because on the drive to take the lead, that's when Judkins fumbled and the ball hit the ground and bounced right back up to him to start the drive. If that thing goes anywhere else, it's at minimum second and, and, and way long or Auburn's got the ball right there. I mean, Dart played really good football today without his best weapon. I mean, I again, it wasn't perfect. It was his best, his worst half of the year, but... Ole Miss has one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, I, I just feel like everybody's kind of, and, and maybe everybody's the wrong word because I'm I'm being way hyperbolic there. Most people are defenders of Jackson Dart, but the criticism you see, it just comes out so fast. Nobody's perfect. Everything's kind of weird here. I, I just feel like they, you know, it, it's it's such a such a quick hook from uh, some people toward him. It, it's not overly flashy, but dude's a winner. I mean, he's found a way to just win football games at this point. And you do have to evaluate it in its totality. I don't think you can, because of the way he played in the final, you know, like we said, 25, 30 minutes, whatever you want to call it in the second half, can just cast away that first half. Ole Miss, I think, had a couple of chances to create separation, whether it's all on dart or not all on dart. He certainly contributed to the fact that they couldn't pull away in the first half. So it's it's kind of how do you how do you evaluate and, you know, just take into – take into reason I guess the first half versus the second half I mean it's at the end of the day I think like you mentioned Ole Miss does have a winner on their football team at quarterback but it's certainly an imperfect product and it's it's very fascinating kind of in the post Matt Corral era trying to evaluate dart because he does have stretches where it's like man this doesn't look very good and then all of a sudden when the game gets really tight and they need it more times than not he's certainly prevailed and so at the end of the day I guess you really do have to give him credit for that, but you also kind of have to take the good with the bad. It's a very complicated existence for Jackson Dart at Ole Miss at this point. Ole Miss salted the game away in the fourth quarter. They ran 14 plays, 13 run plays there in the uh, fourth quarter. Only one pass. It went for 36 yards on that uh, that throw. Uh, Dart, again, 10 of 17, 202, a touchdown, interception, 59% completion percentage. Uh, Charlie Pollock throwing his pick on the uh, the fire call on the dropped uh, hold there on that field goal attempt. Because of that, his uh, quarterback rating minus 200 there for the uh, former Nevada kicker. Uh, Trey Harris, again, four catches, 102. He had eight targets. Priest Corn, two catches, 63 yards, two targets. Uh, Sakari Franklin gets his first touchdown as a Rebel, two catches, 15 yards. Dayton Wade, one catch, 12 yards. One target there for uh, for him, and then Bentley had one catch, ten yards out of two targets for uh, the running back. Judkins going twenty-one of for one twenty-four, one touchdown. Bentley seventeen of fifty-two, had a long of twelve, only averaged three point one overall, and then Dart fourteen carries, forty-four yards, averaging two point nine or three point one. The long of twenty-nine there on that uh, really impressive touchdown run. Uh, Fraser Messine, he has a long of 54, but only averages 38.6 on his five punts. Uh, two inside the 20, one for over 50, and then that, uh, I guess that 12-yard shank or whatever it was, uh, greatly reducing his uh, his average there. And then uh, Jean-Baptiste, seven total tackles. Cedric Johnson, five. Perkins, five. Ukwu, five. And then on down the uh, the list from, uh, from there. Ole Miss again, dominating yardage. Time of possession and much more. Uh, 425 to 275 on a total yardage for the uh, the Rebels. Uh, neither team technically credited with the drop, but I bet Pro Football Focus does something different there. There's no way that's uh, that's that's true. I think a couple balls were dropped. So 
I'll be curious to see what Pro Football Focus says about that uh, as we get here tomorrow and pull snap counts and and, and different things. So uh, I guess the last couple takeaways, Brian, what'd you do? What, what'd you think? Anything we hadn't really mentioned? I mean, Ole Miss gets the win over Freeze. You know, one thing here, I know Jimbo's in two weeks, but getting that out of the way and getting the former coach thing out of the way, getting the team that Lane talked to last fall and all that kind of stuff coming out of the bye week, that was two weeks of a lot of crap. And when you get to six wins and you get the win on the planes, you know, I think I wrote in my column, you kind of get to move past the histrionics in so many ways and just sort of play football again. I think that's really good for this team moving forward with Vanderbilt this week is to just kind of have a really normal work week beat Vanderbilt, and then gear up for two games that are going to absolutely determine what the tenor of the season looks like. I mean, we, you know, you and I talked about it last time we had a postgame show that with the current record and situation, anything less than 9-3, and 10-2, and two, frankly, is a disappointment. That's what they're still on pace for. They got through one of these really, really difficult things at this point with Auburn, and they get to just sort of take a breath going into uh, the A&M game where they will be favored. And then, you know, look, without – Brock Bowers, again, we'll get to that. Uh, Brian Jeffrey joining on the Campbell Clinic hotline. We're going to talk to uh, some Campbell Clinic guys probably about Brock Bowers, his tightrope surgery, what that means for him and some other injury stuff when Georgia gets here close. Uh, Remember, they are now in Oxford there with Campbell Clinic. But just in general, I think that Ole Miss gets – with the way the schedule works out, is really good for them to sort of play, get through a game, and then – get ready for that two-game stretch. It's really going to dictate things and put them in, you know, potentially rarefied air if they could really get hot. Yeah, it was like a bye week, but at the same time, it felt like one more hurdle before an actual reprieve, even though you do have a game against Vanderbilt next week, barring something shocking. And, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, you you really kind of have one week to, I don't know if you call it get right, but some a game you should win to really get prepared for back-to-back games that is going to shape the course of really the whole season, but particularly the second half of the season. And I don't know, this felt like a game where you needed to go over there and survive. And I feel like Ole Miss did just that. I don't. You saw a couple of different things that, like, if things go awry, you might get, under, get an understanding of where this team will go. Like, you had Pettis go down there, um, and he came back in the game. But I thought it was interesting that they immediately moved Kern to right tackle, and then they brought Jaden Williams into left tackle. And they'd be kind, been kind of doing that weird substitution thing a lot of times during the reds in the red zone where they bring Jaden Williams in at left tackle and take Kern off the field. I just thought it was fascinating. Their immediate move was like, Hey, Kern go to right Williams do that. I don't know if that means anything at all, but it was a little bit of an interesting light into their offensive line shuffle. And then I'll be very interested to see the snap counts tomorrow, but it didn't feel like they did the, we've talked about it for like five, six weeks now of like, Hey, why are they doing this kind of weird minor rotation on the offensive line? It felt like they did less of that tonight. I I saw a little bit of Reese McIntyre at center in place of Caleb Warren. Maybe there was a drive there where it looked like Acker went in for James, but there wasn't a lot of rotation at the tackles like you'd seen in previous games, which again, I don't know if that means anything. I thought it was fascinating early in the game. Ole Miss kind of looked like 2021 Ole Miss and they were having such success running the football in Auburn on the edges where they would get in a third and long and they were not bashful about running the football at all because they felt like they could pick most, if not all of it up. You had Judkins pick up the third and 20 or whatever the hell it was and another long third down there early in the game and then they kind of got stuck in the mud running the football but there were flashes of like this running offense being as explosive like it looked a year ago which I thought was interesting if nothing else yeah you know they because it was mentioned in the stream a second ago they hadn't talked about the play calling 
the play calling looked really bad in the middle. It was really bogged down. It was a lot of just sort of ISO runs. They didn't get anything up. The, they didn't get anything downfield in the passing game. And it just felt like Watkins was being, or not sorry, Harris was being bracketed to some extent. He wasn't open. And without Watkins in there as a viable option, it was doing a lot of the same things as when Harris wasn't in the game. Because, look, Franklin got open on the touchdown, but they're still not feeding him anyway. There's not either not separation or trust. I haven't seen an all-22 to tell you exactly what's going on there. But something's not right with him. It's still from a standpoint of Dart looking toward him routinely or consistently in the passing game. They simply just don't have that thing that opens up the field when everybody's not healthy. You know, and that's one thing here. I, I think as time goes on, that'll be another way reason to think, hey, they did a really good job in that second half is they found ways to score and put together those back-to-back drives without Jordan Watkins. And they, for whatever reason, whatever you want to call it, they're not a team that is peak efficiency unless both wide receivers are healthy. Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, they also deserve some credit to being able to survive. I think some of t- what happened tonight or what could have happened tonight would bring you back to 2021. You remember when Drummond got hurt early in that game, 21 at Auburn? And I know I've used this example a couple of times, but it's I remember that night where Drummond gets hurt and then it was like, okay, it's uh, Jacord Pearson and then I have to go look up whoever the hell, whoever the hell is out there. Like it's one of the Jackson, uh, not related, but Jackson last names that stuck around for a while. And it, mm-hmm. it felt really dire, whereas they didn't have Watkins tonight in really any functional capacity as a wide receiver. But for the most part, we're still fine. It wasn't perfect. They got really bogged down, like you mentioned, in the middle parts of the game. But you still had a pre-scorn there or the availability of Zakari Franklin to make a catch. And you still had Harris out there where it felt in two years ago or even at sometimes last year when there, there wasn't a particular game that stuck out that you lose one guy and all of a sudden your receiving court becomes almost obsolete. It didn't feel that way. It wasn't completely how are they going to feel to pass, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. They still had enough there albeit not being perfect. I don't know if that has anything to do with Franklin just not being healthy, you know, Prescorn being in just his third game back, I guess. I guess it's actually his fourth game back. But you get my point. They still have enough there to be sufficient even if a guy goes down. Prescorn has done a ton, too, from a run game standpoint to, to open up some edges, to set some edges and do a lot for them. They've been they've been really good with him that's been different prior to uh, him coming back from injury there. I mean, he he changes the game, and look, his snap counts are really high. They're playing him a ton of reps. It's pretty much any time they're just tied in in the game. At this point, he's in there. But, you know, he, he gets the big pass from Dart down the right sideline when Dart put it the only place it ever could have been to be caught. And the irony there was that every wide receiver was open because I think Dart actually missed something in the middle of the field that would have been a much longer gain. But they uh, they, they did hit pre-scoring down the slot. Yeah, Hudson Wolf back healthy this week, so at least gives another option there at tight end. I see Sammy says that in the stream. That is uh, that is correct as uh, as well. But I, I, I don't know. It, it, you know, it's been a fun week, but I am in some ways kind of glad we can go ahead and move on from Freeze, let him see if he can get to bowl eligibility or what this thing looks like, and just kind of watch that uh, that show from afar now with popcorn. Was the week, though, let down from the storyline? I mean, I remember we talked about it from the offseason of like, oh, my God, wait till that Auburn week after the bye week. It was kind of quiet. Like, there wasn't actually a ton of fodder to, you know, dissect. Like, they, they both well, kind of ne- ne- nobody fanned the flames. Yes, exactly. And Auburn had been so bad. And I didn't think they were a ton better tonight. I thought they got a couple of lucky breaks and then a couple of mistakes induced by Ole Miss to make that game as competitive as it was for a while. Maybe that's why. Maybe old Reverend Hugh um, just didn't believe he had the team to do it. I did enjoy 
I thought that broadcast was a masterclass in Hugh Freeze just welcoming a home broadcaster crew. You know, they had him holding up his grandchild like she was mm-hmm. Simba in The Lion King. And then also talking about how he reinvented his practice schedule and did actually like a full fast pace practice on Friday, which like apparently Kiffin and every other program does now. He calls it Fast Friday. But in a Reverend Hughes mind, he actually invented that concept this week. So congrats to him for founding that. I thought that was a master class in a Hugh <laughs> Freeze television propaganda. That was very enjoyable to consume. Yeah, you know, just it said there, uh, Bill in the stream says, proud of the team tonight. Oh, look, almost did a hell of a job tonight because you get behind the eight ball and you get in that situation with being 14-14. Yeah, I think Bentley's okay Saturday. He he, he, uh, he, he seemed to be fine there at the end of the game. You're 14-14. That stadium has a reputation for a reason. Uh, the whole touchdown, Auburn Jesus stuff for a reason. I mean, squirrely stuff starts happening once things tighten up there in that second half. And Ole Miss just found another gear that Auburn didn't have and didn't continue to make the same mistakes and feel sorry for themselves and get up. And that's that's why we keep talking about the different levels of adversity they've overcome this year. And I think LSU is its own animal. But outside of that, this was as impressive or more impressive as any of them. Just the way that they were able to get there and go, nope, we're going to do back-to-back drives. We're going to score. We're going to do it in different ways, and we're going to put you away. And that's it right there. And we, we're the better team. Ole Miss is a more talented. They're more efficient. They they execute better than Auburn at this point from a from a program standpoint. I mean, it, it's it, it's fairly fairly amazing just as far as you know. I think that it, it's a credit to Lane, and this is a national thing, but I think it's local too. Is everybody sort of expects Ole Miss to win a lot of games now? We talked about that last time, but I think it plays into Auburn has been such a difficult place to play for Ole Miss. Again, they had never won a night game. They were 0-9 coming into the, the game at night at, at Jordan-Hare. They hadn't beaten Auburn back-to-back in 71 years or whatever it was Lane's been repeating throughout the week and repeated again in the postgame with the ESPN reporter to, uh, to tonight. All those different things. We've watched Ole Miss lose so many games at Auburn in weird ways and ways they shouldn't have done it in ways where they simply did not play very well down the stretch or they let Auburn get a break or something happened. Nothing happened tonight except they were the better team and they put the thing away. And I, th- I think that that is a probably a level of credit that we need to continue to talk about for a few days, and something that sticks out more than anything else is they they, they really did. I mean they they handled that as well as anybody outside of Georgia has handled all season, and frankly, maybe better than Georgia did when they played them down there. Agreed, and they survived and they got out of there again. It's not a, a whole a place that Ole Miss has had a whole hell of a lot of success at, like you mentioned, particularly at night and. There were those weird Auburn Jesus moments. I mean, Joe Tessitore was just chomping at the bit to bring that up every single time it possibly happened. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Auburn just did not have the horses offensively to even contend for that. But credit for the Ole Miss defense for not making mistakes to allow it to happen despite that. I saw Tessitore getting beat up, and I I didn't think he was particularly good tonight. But I thought what happened early was he expect. I I think if you put it truth serum on him, he was expecting an Ole Miss blowout. So it was a lot of, like, Auburn prop up early while it still was a game in his mind. And then as it kind of played out, it felt uneven because when Auburn, he went on those couple early runs, he was like, so whatever, whatever, whatever. And he was all so pro-Auburn and talking about, hey, this this place is going to make it complicated. No matter what, it's making it really, really complicated. You know what I mean? And then it created an uneven you know, broadcast as, uh, as time went on. Uh, CJ Revs went out. They have a high chance of making playoffs. Yeah, I think an eleven and one Ole Miss team has a chance to make the playoffs. I'm sure, got a lot of, got a lot of. You have 
you have very little chance of winning the West because Bama's not losing twice the rest of the way. But sure, yeah, I think that uh, I think I think when all is said and done, an eleven and one team would have a would have a chance. You know, we're we're grading this national landscape on October twenty first. There's still a month left for teams to lose and beat up each other. And look, Ole Miss has two very difficult games left. I mean, A&M is not going to be a cakewalk, and then at Georgia is its own beast that we're all aware of, despite Brock Bowers being uh, being out. But no, I, I don't hate that storyline. I mean, it's a storyline until Ole Miss loses a second time. Every time they win a game and have another win on the on the docket, I mean, they are they are five they are five wins away from a chance at the playoff. That's it. They win Vanderbilt four games, they and them three games, and you just keep doing it down the down down the list. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of the chaos that turns out. I do think Ole Miss's chances at winning the West, even if they do win out, probably died today. I don't really see Alabama losing twice. I mean, the best hopes are what LSU and at Kentucky, and then maybe hoping the game at Jordan Hare gets weird um, nah, thanks nah. matchup wise. Nah. Exactly, I, I can't see how that happens at all. But again. You know, you get to 11 and 1. It's again, it's a far cry away because you still got five games left, but you definitely have a shot. Last testator criticism, I'd get that guy a phonetic pronunciation thing. I, I love the Jean Baptiste and I love the Mazin um, for Fraser Mazin. Maybe he could blame the shank on that, but uh, can can you get the announcers a phonetic guide? That that was pretty tough. Yeah, Mitchell says, y'all stop with the 11 1 talk until after Georgia, please. We don't play. Yeah, sure. we, have no, we have no impact. So. Um, if I have an impact, I'd like to know. I'd actually like to yeah. know what my impact was so I can manipulate that to my own advantage. Yeah, look, I don't think Ole Miss is beating Georgia. I would predict 10-2 and two at this point. I think Ole Miss beats A&M. I think Ole Miss beats Mississippi State. I think Ole Miss beats, uh, obviously, ULM and Vanderbilt. I think they're 10-2. and two. I mean, I would not predict they win over Georgia. I'm just simply saying that Georgia is more gettable than they were two weeks ago and they're more gettable than they were last year or the year before. And sure, Ole Miss can still go nine and three, and most of you would have taken nine and three in a heartbeat going into the season. Um, most of you would have taken eight and four, frankly, and that's a guarantee at this point. But um, no, I'm 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 ten and two, and I think they have a chance to scare Georgia, make it a four quarter game, and just see what happens. So that's not predicting a win, but to act like Georgia is unbeatable at this point would also be a, a, a fool's errand. Not to make it into another big picture thing, but you brought it up last week or the week before last when we did this post game thing. Does ten and two or nine and three or ten and two versus nine and three change the future of the quarterback thing with Jackson Dart? I don't know what's going to happen next year, but at the end of the day, I know we talked about it a little bit last time. Like if they go ten and two with Jackson Dart at quarterback, why why in the world would you not bring back? Yeah, I mean Ole Miss would be set up to be a top ten team in the preseason, be a playoff contender from the jump, and to the best of our knowledge, has a pretty good schedule for that next season. Again, you're missing Alabama. You're doing several things from a schedule standpoint that make a ton of sense. I mean, that they, they've got a good schedule for next year. I mean, not to look, you know, not to look at 2024 too much, but no, I think that's, that that's very much a, a doable thing with Jackson coming back, being a third year starter. Um, probably a frustrating thing for Walker Howard, but I mean that, that, you know, the whole time that was known as a possibility. Um, my point in all that being is between NIL and opportunity and team success, it's kind of like Kiffin's Venn diagram of like where he would go versus places that would take him. Jackson Darts, there's no way Dart would leave for somewhere that was a better opportunity in a better situation. Does that make sense? Like if something happened where Dart's not the quarterback next year, it's because something went off rails in a way that is not on field in any way. Because, yeah, I mean, Jackson Dart – 
face of the program going into year three with Lane Kiffin and you're a playoff contender. That's what next year would be. The family started getting some TV time tonight. I've been to a couple of games Saw in person. That. Is that a first time thing or has that been a thing? Um, you know, I was telling a couple of my friends uh, while we were watching the game, you know, the younger brother, legendary named Diesel Dart. Uh, that's just mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. The Ole Miss should offer him on the spot. I don't even know if he plays football or quarterback, but they should offer him based off that. Was that a first-time thing? That was the first time I'd seen Brandon Dart and the crew on the, on TV this year. You got Brandon really and the crew on TV, and you got pictures of the antelope they killed last week. Love that. They missed the one yeah. with the big cat. The big cat would have been the one to stick on the TV screen. They really screwed that up. Yeah. Uh, also, a good point in the stream that uh, that Georgia game in the middle of uh, a really interesting stretch for Georgia: Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee are the four games around that time of the year. There at that point, so and no Bowers for at least three probably of the four the years. Year. Probably all. Of probably them. out for the year. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think Georgia goes twelve and zero. I think somebody gets them. It's a matter of old Mister Tennessee. It feels like honestly. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, I really do. I I don't think I I don't think Georgia's twelve and zero. I think it's a, I think it's an eleven and one Georgia against an eleven and one Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I think that, you know, Ole Miss at least has a chance to get into that same territory. We'll see. Again, gettable. I think is the word for uh for Georgia. Somebody says Dart is like a blend of Chad Kelly and Matt Corral. Some truth there. Got some gamer components to him. Doesn't throw the deep ball as well as either one of them, but he's a he's a hell of a competitor. I mean, he's as much of a competitor as either one of those guys. He just he just finds ways to win games. So I don't know. It's pretty fascinating, but again, uh, yeah, out for the regular season on Bowers appears to be the word that everybody is uh, is saying. I think that's probably uh, I think that's probably correct at this point. So that's where it stands. But anyway, uh, all right. Ole Miss 28, Auburn 21 today from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, tons of uh, coverage going on at rebelgrove.com. Got three stories up. I'll find some lane video. We'll get more to you. And then the week ahead, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. So the Rebels in great shape to be 7-1 and one when A&M comes to town. What's going to be a veritable shit show zoo that weekend in Oxford in two weeks after uh, Ole Miss knocks off Vanderbilt. So we'll all get ready for that. Hey, you guys were awesome tonight. Really, really appreciate you, all the likes, all the views, and everything else. Let's uh, let's keep it up. Keep going. Thanks to Neil, Jeffrey, and Brian. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.